1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Scotland's women win their World Cup send-off in front of a record crowd at Hamden. The the SFA explain why John Flanagan escaped retrospective punishment over his clash with Scott Brown. And Bobby Pettit says Neil Lennon is the man to handle the pressure at Celtic. I'm Andrew McLean. Joining me in the studio tonight is Mark Guidi. Well, it might be the the close season, Andrew, but there's plenty going on. The SFA's explanation today for, for John Flanagan... Lots going on still at Celtic, comings and goings possibly at Rangers. And last night, what an occasion at Hamden, 18,500 to cheer on Shelley Kerr's team. I was there myself, thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, a great way to, to uh, you know leave for, for France for the World Cup in the opening game against England. And along with Mark Guidi, it would be nice to be joined by you as well. And you can give us a call on 0141951 or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB. But I think, Mark, there's only really... One place to start When you look at the game last night A record crowd of 18,555 For Shelley Kerr Scotland Taking on Jamaica That's quite something isn't it Aye it was brilliant I I thought um, About 12, 14,000 Andrew But when when the tennis came in It was a great atmosphere I was there with my youngest daughter And our our football team And uh, Lovely just to be in the ground Where family atmosphere No sectarianism No swearing Actually enjoying the football And I have to say the standard of the football was exceptional. And the first two goals, if anybody hasn't managed to see them yet, get a look at them, particularly the, the opening goal from Erin Cuthbert uh, was absolutely sensational and followed up by a free kick by Carolyn Weir, a good set piece for the, for the, the winning goal um, as well. But, uh, you know, the, the skill set and the skill level of the women's football has come on a ton. And the thing that I took away from it as well, being there with my, my youngest, was that there's going to be the... Girl, young girl footballers actually having proper role models in the female game, and I know there probably has been in the past, but I think more so now. I can see it coming over the horizon very, very quickly, where young girls won't be saying, you know, it's it's Messi and Ronaldo and all the rest. It's actually going to be female footballers, and I think that's absolutely fantastic. It just seemed to be a great advert for the women's game yeah. in general because we've seen it progress, especially over the last couple of years really but yeah. with a crowd like that there was good football on show so some great goals the people that, that turned out certainly seemed to enjoy it yeah, they, they, they did and um, you know I wouldn't just I wouldn't say it if I didn't feel it I thoroughly enjoyed it and it was a, it was a proper game of football with some excellent play I mean you, you looked at some of the, the diagonals um, that were being pinged 40-50 yards brilliant first touch you know just you can, you can tell it's not just like you know it's proper Football now, you know, I, I don't think there's there's any room now to 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 criticise or just say, you know, it's a, it's a talking gesture that we've got a national team and we've got women's football and we've got women's Champions League and stuff like that. It is one hundred percent proper and is only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. You're obviously there with your your daughter and her football team are there. What yeah. was the experience like for them watching on for people that are now their role models and, and yeah. their heroes? No, it, it was brilliant. You know, they, they all took something from it. You know, just watching the game and it gives them youngest ones uh, eleven gives them something to aspire to. Like I said, they see the the crowd being there. They see men, women, children, families all supporting it. Steve Clark's there. You know the first ministers there. So listen, you know Scotland are going to a World Cup um, next month. We've got some great games, and uh, as a nation, we are going to get right behind them. 
Let's hear from Shelley Kerr, shall we? She says that last night's win against Jamaica was the watershed moment she was looking for and she's hoping the support will continue into next month's World Cup. She was delighted with her goals on the night but says there's still room for improvement. The three goals that we scored I thought were really good, really pleased with them. I thought in spells of the game we played really, really well but... You know, there's always a but because I think there's still room for improvement. I think um, we need to eradicate some of the mistakes that we made tonight because when we go to the World Cup, um, we'll get punished. Um, so that's something that we need to reflect on and we need to improve on. But overall, I think the pleasing thing was that we've generated a, a support of 18,555. I never thought I would see that in my lifetime in Scotland, um, supporting the women's national team. And it's a credit to the players. Yeah, I was playing it down a little bit because in my heart of hearts I was hoping for 15,000 and I said 10, so to get 18 and a half, over 18 and a half, I'm absolutely delighted. And, you know, hopefully beyond that, going to the World Cup, it's, it is a watershed moment for us. And we spoke about that today in the team meeting that the players have done extremely well. You know, the organisation has been a lot of people behind, obviously, getting people here at the game tonight, but it just shows you what you can achieve with hard work and getting success. and. I think the product on the pitch has been good. Um, you know, I think throughout the campaign we've played really, really exciting football, and um, you know we've done that again tonight. It's quite good to see as well that despite the fact that so much progress has been made, Mark, that you know Shelley Kerr's still not content. She's still not happy. She's still striving for more. Yeah, I mean the, the, the mistakes made last night, as you said, and when they get the World Cup, you know, these mistakes will be punished. You know, Jamaica, um, you know, pounced on on, on two mistakes. Um, and, and, and got there but the good thing is he was well making them last night Andrew than, than doing it in the, the opening game I think it's June the 9th against um, England so as I say what they could take away solid team some some really good uh, players I, I didn't have a team sheet on on me um, last night but I think widen the the left of was, was Ross was brilliant I say Cuthbert scored a sensational goal Jen Beatty at the back was on for the first half absolutely rock solid reads the game really really well um, again, forgive me. The, the right back number two, brilliant overlapping uh, runs. You know, like up and down. So um, you know, on the whole, it was really good, a really good performance. And um, again, the biggest thing I took away from it as a as a parent and someone that loves loves football uh, has been the the inspiration that that ninety minutes last night gave to thousands and thousands of young girl footballers. Well, if you're at the game, you want to share your experience, you can get in touch. 0141 951 That's exactly what James in Drumchapel has done. James? Hi, how are you doing, guys? Oh, good, thanks, James. What made you phone in tonight? Um, well, we were actually there last night, um, me and my daughters as well. Um, I started up in uh, a football team, Drumchapel United. Um, and it's, to honestly um, agree with what Mark's saying there, uh, the standard of the women's game has just it's rocketed. Um, I've obviously been coaching um, at the girls' uh, football. Um, my two daughters are there as well. Um, last night was absolutely brilliant to see the amount of people that, uh, that was there last night. Um, and it also gave the lasses um, a good send-off um, to go into uh, France for the World Cup. Uh, but it's, all, it's great for my daughters because they're goalkeepers. Um, they, uh, last night, obviously getting to see Lee Alexander and stuff like that. Um, just to say that, you know, this is what you can do, this is what you can achieve, this is your goal now that you can, it's not just a case of, because you're only a girl, you'll all get picked, you'll all get picked up and stuff like that, and it gives them something to aim for. I mean, that's what it's all about, Mark, isn't it? Inspiring I, the next yeah. generation. Yeah, I mean, that, absolutely, you know, James has said that, there. You, you want to see, you know, it's 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 a growing sport, um, there's going to be, you know, at the moment, there's, there's, a, there's an opportunity for, 
for females to make a good living out of it. You know, you know, football endorsement sponsorships, all the different things getting into the media um, as well. And that's only going to grow in the next decade. If if, if we think back, and I can think back, my eldest daughter played football ten years ago. I can see the difference now from ten years ago to what it's like now, and it's night and day. And let us say, ten years from now. It's only going to be bigger um, and better again. And like I said, I'm not just saying that because we feel that we need to see it. I'm actually saying it because I believe it and the standard is actually tip top. James, just what impact do you think the, the game had on the on the team that you took with you? Um, it had a lot because it then gives them something to say, well, do you know what? We can go and do this. Let's be the next, you know what I mean? These Cuthbert's, Alexander's, let's go and do this. Let's keep doing it. We need everybody also to get out and say, you know, Keep backing the girls. It can't even just be a one-off and stuff like that. Um, but it's it's got a great impact, and I know it's going to have a lot of a great impact, especially on uh, my two daughters, but on my team as a whole, it's going to have a great impact on them because, like I say, that's that's what they need to aim for. Now that gives them something to aim for. Like Matt said, it's no about the lashes now saying all the messies and Ronaldos and stuff like that in the world. It's the, the cuthbots. It's the do you know what I mean? The Murrays, all these classes are obviously making a name for themselves now, and that's what I'm saying. The young lassie um, that came on last night, uh, Murray in the middle of the park, she's only wee, but my God, what a battler. She never gave up. She was in about everything. It didn't matter whether the lassie was six foot tall or whatever. She was getting stuck right in about it, and that's what I'm taking my girls as well. It doesn't matter how big they are. You just go there, you try your best, and that's what's happened. It's just the whole place rocketed, especially when we don't start with United. We've obviously went through, you know, I think there's something like 12 girls who were first session so many years ago but now they're like over 60 lasses now in the books now I suppose it's it's interesting when you look at it this way, Mark that the likes of your your Jen Beatties your, your Rachel Corsets when they were growing up they didn't have those role models to, to look up to and say look I want to play at mm. a Women's World Cup I want to go to major tournaments of Scotland I want to play at Hamden but they can now be those role models for this younger generation it must be a, a, a good sort of thing that you can carry with you yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe like, you know, 20 years ago, I remember it was it was really Julie Fleeting and nobody else. And she she, she almost seemed at times like just being like an isolated figure in terms of Scottish women's football. And I think she had to go down south to, to, to get it full time. She joined Arsenal, um, Julie, uh, for a spell. And then she had her family and stuff. Um, before that, decades before that, there was Rose Riley, but she wasn't playing her football um, here. But now, and, and I think that's a good point James made, and, and I don't think it will happen, but we need to make sure as a nation... Uh, the SFA women's football media supporters that we don't make this kind of couple of months spell you know a one off we, we, we've got to keep uh, continuing to support the women's game and they're going to need funding as well to strive on the Champions League for, for Glasgow City and all the other clubs too so um, no, like I say it's getting bigger it's definitely better and I can only see it growing I think in America and the USA Andrew um, women's soccer is the fastest growing sport over there and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case in the, the UK and our country too Is that something you'll look to do James make sure you, you try and get these girls out to, to more games maybe even you know stretch that out to, to club football as well as international football and, and get them seeing I, these I, players I, Yep definitely we've also been to uh, a few games this year um, to also um, back uh, the girls this year um, we've been to Love Street we were there for the Switzerland game we were also there to see uh, America and by God they they yeah, the Americans are absolutely frightening. Frightening. The talent they've got, I think, I think their best player is it Morgan, I think. Alex Morgan. Yeah, Alex um, Morgan. My daughter, uh, my daughter was just telling me there, um, Alex Morgan is, she, the talent that last has got is frightening. Honestly, it's just, but like, like I said, we've also been to uh, a few games this year to obviously um, see them 
uh, through the qualifiers and it's just it's absolutely brilliant for the country it's, it, it gives the girls it gives, not, not just the girls but the whole country it's a good old country lift well, thank you to James in Drumchapel. Always good to hear people being inspired there. And you touched on it earlier, Mark. You look at the, you know, we don't want this to be a honeymoon period. We know that, you know, we've had the qualification for the Euros. We've now had the qualification for the World Cup. But you don't want it to end there. You want to create a, a legacy off the back of this. Yeah, you, you do. And what we want to see is Scotland going performing well. I'm not saying they're going to go and beat England and, and qualify from the section. But you, you want to see them going p- performing well and giving it their best shot and on the evidence of of last night um, I've no doubt that it'll, that it'll take some special teams and special players to, to beat them because I say that the standard uh, of the game the standard of, of, of some of the women playing last night was absolutely first class I think a real gauge that you can maybe use to see how far the women's game has come it's when Steve Clark was appointed the, the Scotland manager and one, one of the first things that he came out with in his statement when he was uh, unveiled was about using Shelley Kerr's team as inspiration to the men's team. And yeah. you think back, I was going to say five, ten years, two years, you wouldn't have thought that was anything no. that would ever have been said by a, a Scotland manager. No, and, and another you know sign for me is that the, 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 the media, the Scottish Football Writers Association, you know, Shelley Kerr was was runner up I, th- I think in the manager of the year to to Steve Clark she was a a proper contender and again you know you know off the top of my head there's maybe 100 members 110 members of the, of the football writers maybe four or five are, are are females so it wasn't like it was a big female vote just to, to get Shirley Kennel so again it was proper recognition uh, not just something that you, some people feel you have to do to tick a box it was actually because they felt that Shirley Kerr deserved to get it and, and rightly so albeit I did agree with the decision I did vote for Steve Clark but Shirley Kerr was my second choice We'll make sure to get in touch if you want to talk about any of these subjects 0141 951 1025 or you can give us a tweet at Clyde SSB you, you touched on it earlier you'll get you know Steve Clark was there Judy Murray was there Nicola Sturgeon was there all yeah. in, the, in the dressing room afterwards it's it, it just seems to be a great feeling around the game at the moment and that can only be a good thing carrying over into the tournament yeah it, it can be and do you know what as well Andrew I, I don't think it'll do the, the men's team any harm for, for next week and the build up to the, uh, the double header for Steve Clark to see it last night you know when you think about it 18,500 last night I think it's been a high in attendance in a couple of the, the, the main uh, games that we've had for the Scotland team albeit friendlies and stuff like that so that, that's got to act as an inspiration for, for Steve Clark and his squad too The men's team was obviously announced this week as well we've not mm-hmm. had your reaction to it Mark what, what have you made of Steve Clark's first selection? Uh, well first of all I, I'm absolutely delighted that, that Greg Taylor is involved he is a player that I've championed in this programme all season, having watched Kilmarnock uh, a number of times, delighted that Steve Clark's got the job. I think it's the right appointment. And as I've said before, Andrew, if he can get to the level with Scotland that he got Kilmarnock where he was getting results, but it wasn't like he was grinding at results and it was boring. It was getting winning performances, playing entertaining football, attractive football. That's why Kilmarnock's crowds 20 months ago went from three to three and a half thousand up to six and a half to 7,000 on average because it was entertaining football. And if he can get that out, the, the the Scotland players, then, you know, I definitely think we're on the right road. I'll all repeat it. I don't think we have much of a chance of finishing second in the current qualification group. I think the points tally needed is going to be too much for us. But certainly in the playoff, which is probably going to start with a game against Finland, I fancy it's all day long to get through the playoffs and get to the finals. 
and these qualifiers against the likes of, of Cyprus and Belgium are really yeah. you know if if you feel that you're you're not going to qualify through the group they're the perfect opportunity for Steve Clark to to bring players in we know he's he's brought an especially big squad for these uh-huh. two games 27 players yeah. that you can go out and you can pick players and try them out and make sure that by the time those Nations League semi-finals and, and finals come around that he knows exactly what his best squad and best starting 11 is yeah well, I mean but First things first, I think it's important to beat Cyprus a week on Saturday. Um, Belgium's almost like a free hit, and you know it's one of the ones where you think, well, as long as we again the greatest respect to Steve and, and the squad, uh, you're playing against the side of the country that are they ranked number one or certainly in the top three anyway. In, in, yeah, yeah, in, one, in, in number the one world. at the moment, I think. Um, you know some special players and and Roberto Martinez's team. So what I'm thinking is, you know, just avoid a spanking. You know, you know you can get away with a two 0 or a two one or a three one. Then fair enough, but certainly absolutely. I think you've got to put a marker down and show some some time, some signs of progress, albeit it's his first game. But I think we should be able to go and beat Cyprus. And I would imagine now, a week on Saturday, we will be looking at upwards of 40,000 crowd. And that's only going to be a good thing to go and put a show on in front of them and get three points. And Kickstarter campaign, I don't believe we'll finish in the top two. That's not to say it can't happen. It certainly can happen at this stage. But I think given the fact that we've already thrown away three points to Kazakhstan, I think it leaves the, the, the country with too much to do. How much will that familiarity help Steve Clark? Because Stephen O'Donnell and Stuart Finlay were already in yeah. the in the previous squad. He's brought in two guys he knows very well in Greg Taylor and Eamon Brophy. He's brought in Alex Dyer, who was his, his assistant at Kilmarnock. Yeah. He's brought in Stephen Reid, uh-huh. who he knows very well. How much will that help him in the short space of time that he's had to prepare for these games? Yeah, it won't do him any harm, but the biggest thing will be that the whole country has bought into his appointment. And therefore you are going to get the 27 players If they all turn up If nobody calls off between now uh, and Sunday or Monday When the, the gathering begins That they're going to walk into the room saying I need to be on my toes I need to show this manager that I'm worthy of a place Whether you're Tom Kearney, Kenny McLean, John McGinn Johnny Russell, Scott McKenna, David Marshall Whoever you want to mention These guys have got to go and show And they will be desperate to go and show Steve Clark that I want to be part of your team I feel something good's on the horizon And I'm not going to blow my opportunity to be a part of it And that will be the biggest thing getting into this double header Well make sure to give us a call on 0141 951 1025 If you want to get involved After the break we'll be looking at the SFA's reasons Why John Flanagan escaped retrospective punishment For his clash with Scott Brown That's all coming up after the travel with Amber Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's personal injury solicitors. Win the compensation you deserve. Talk to Thompson's.com. Mark Guidi here with me, Andrew McLean, on Clyde One Super Scoreboard. In the first part, we were talking about Shelley Kerr's success last night with the Scotland women's team, a 3 2 win against Jamaica in front of a record 18,555 crowd. But a. Uh, Plenty to talk about as usual on this show And not long before we came on air There was uh, the break Well I say breaking news It was uh, the, the SFA quite often um, When there's fast track tribunals And, and things like that they'll, they'll supply their written reasons For why a decision went one way or the other When it gets to the judicial panel yep. So the interesting one that's come out now Is a, a topic that was well debated On this show over and over again Which was the John Flanagan Scott Brown incident in the final Old Firm game of the season John Flanagan was given a yellow card By Kevin Clancy at the time He was then retrospectively punished He was handed a two match ban Rangers contested it And their appeal was upheld So yeah. John Flanagan was let away with it So now 
Uh, the written reasons have been given out for why this decision was made and the main reason really is that the disciplinary bosses ruled it did not meet the brutality test required for a sending off what do you make of that Mark? Well I'm, I'm first of all I'm surprised but I'll say well credit to Rangers because I thought, I thought the appeal would be a waste of time because I thought it was a red, a red card all day long so credit to Rangers for going ahead with the appeal um, does it meet the brutality um, force uh Required then I'm thinking well What are the actual limits It must be some limit If that doesn't merit um, A red card But as I say Credit to Rangers And again it just throws up All sorts of questions In terms of the The disciplinary system And the appeals process And, and all the different things that, that that go on And I don't know if there's a way Of, of tightening it up Of making it Less complicated I'm thinking more of the people Within the SFA Than, than anything else Because it's It's as if one One half of the SFA's Contradicting the other And are not in the, the, the same page um, But for Rangers and for John Flanagan They'll be absolutely delighted with that decision um, But for me I, I'm surprised That the appeals uh, panel Decided to to uphold the, the, the appeal Just when you thought the, the disciplinary stuff was over The season's finished yeah, It always comes up again I mean I think it started back On the opening day of the season Didn't it? When it uh, or the opening weekend of the season anyway It was yes. uh, Alfredo yeah. Morelos had, had kicked McKenna. out at Scott McKenna He was sent off And and that was overturned and yeah. this season's just been full of decisions that, you know, you look on Twitter, you listen to the phone-ins, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of confusion about for a lot of people and I think it's maybe clarity that people are looking for next season. I, I mean, just, just to kind of, as I say, maybe simplify, you know, it just seems very complicated and so many loopholes involved and we, we don't really quite fully know from the outside looking in what the, the actual process um, of all is. But... Um, what I would say is that I do like the, the right of appeal if it means getting to the right decision because what you don't want to see is, is a player being red carded if, if another player's dived or, or, or blatantly cheated and they've, they've conned the referee and it's not the referee's fault. So from that point of view, yeah, I think, you know, absolutely all day long if it gets, if it helps get to the right decision, I'm all for it. But for me, albeit I respect the decision um, of the appeals panel, but for me, that is a red card deal all day long from John Flanagan. And if that doesn't signal a red card, then again, I think you're leaving it all wide open for some real tasty stuff next season. I mean, I, I talk about clarity, but I mean, these are the, the written reasons that the Scottish FA have put out to, yeah. to show people why it's been made. You can actually see you know, what Flanagan told the panel. He said he was merely fending off the Celtic captain as he stood his ground following initial contact with the opponent as they awaited the corner kick. And in conclusion, the panel said, having viewed the available footage of the incident provided by both parties and having considered the submissions from both parties, the Fast Track Tribunal decided that the notice of complaint should be dismissed. The The referee saw the incident in question and notwithstanding that he did not see the actual point of contact, mm-hmm. he saw sufficient uh, to assess brutality and decided that the action of the player was reckless. The mm-hmm. Fast Track Tribunal took the view that the player made contact with the chest slash neck area of the opponent, not with his face or head, and that the evidence did not meet the exceptional test of the judicial panel protocol. So I suppose when you look at it that way, that is the rules really. If it's yeah. the chest, if it's the neck, it tends to be a yellow card. If it is the face, it tends to be a red card. Yeah, I, I um, first of all, I think it's good that there's transparency there and you're given reason. I mean, years ago, Andrew, you would just get a decision and that would be, nobody would be any the wise as to why they've reached it. So I commend the SFA for coming out. Whether you agree with the decision or not, 
it's certainly a step in the right direction that the public and the football clubs and everybody else have been given the reasons and that, that's a positive but for me it looked more in the neck I don't really think it, it matters where it is if it's excessive and you're going with a forearm like that again I just think now that you're, you're leaving it wide wide open um, and a, something like that might make it more difficult for, for referees next season because the question I would now ask is um, for me that was um, over the threshold of what's acceptable of what's maybe a yellow card and, and you know holding a player off of, of jostling um, I don't see many players using a forearm to protect themselves in terms of when there's a jostle a, a set piece you'll see pulling and tugging and grappling each other to the ground but I don't recall um, many many defending themselves like that Well if you've got an opinion on this you can give us a call 0141 That's exactly what Jim a Rangers fan in Kilmarnock has done Jim what are your thoughts? Hi guys I'm just listening to you you're speaking about the John Flanagan incident um, seems to be the same player that was involved in the Fred- Alfredo Morelos incident as well just to cast your minds back a wee bit when that happened Scott Brown run his, his, his studs down Morelos his um, legs Alfredo Morelos couldn't see where Scott Brown was he kind of just shook his hand up and hit Scott Brown in the chest Scott Brown was no, hit nowhere near with the brutal force that would force him to get down the way he did and also the incident a similar a similar is position in his body where Flanagan's caught him as well wasn't he on the face he's caught him in the top of the chest once again he's been done as if he's he's been hit by a boxer there's no way that he's been hit with that force that enabled him to get down the way he did instead of highlighting how wrong the refs are should be no be highlighting the fact that the Celtic captain once again has been play acting and trying to get other players sent off uh, I th- I w- we were only talking about the Morelos incident we were talking specifically about no. about the um, the one with John uh, Flanagan, I think the the certainly Scott Brown at that time was being cute, and I think that um, Alfredo Morelos shouldn't have taken the bait. He left himself wide open to get a red card, and the assistant referee that day told Bobby Madden that it was a red card. I also think that happened to be the right uh, decision. You're right, Scott Brown's involved in a lot of stuff. Uh, he's you know it can be a wind up merchant. Um, as well and it's up to the opposition as best they can Jim not to take the bait and I think that John Flanagan came perilously close to putting his team down to 10 men and I don't think he should have been taking that gamble um, at that time because particularly in the week where his manager has has appealed to his players in the strongest of terms to keep their discipline and keep 11 men on the path so I think it was a gamble that John Flanagan could have handled that situation differently Jim? Matt, you're, you're saying there about um, Scott Brown was cute. I wouldn't call it cute if it's when it seems to be other players at Morelos and stuff, when they go down feeding injury, it's called cheating. Why is it this? Why is it called being cute when it's Scott Brown? No, well there was there was absolute was contact cheating? there, Jim. No, what I what I've said was it was I what I mean is Scott Brown was cute in terms of trying to get the reaction that he got out of Alfredo Morelos if we're talking about the Morelos incident Morelos took oh, right, the bait yeah. and I think it's a red a red card now if there's no contact or he's, or he's diving or whatever then that's a different issue so I'm not talking about him being cute as in play acting I'm talking about being cute and trying to get the reaction out of the, the opposition players that, he, that he's doing right. Do you, if you, can you call that ungentlemanly conduct? yeah perhaps you can but in the heat of the battle um, I don't like Diving, I don't like you know blatant cheating that comes to 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 stuff like that. But in terms of the Brown and Morelos incident, Morelos shouldn't have given the the officials opportunity to red card them. 
But Mark, see, just a wee question here. See, on the Manelos incident with Scott Brown, uh-huh. do you think Scott Brown was up with the brutal force that forced him to go down the way he did, holding his face? Well, on, to be honest, Jim, only Scott Brown can answer that question. The only answer no, I can, well, what the best way I can answer that, Jim, is do I think it was a red card? The answer is yes. I can't answer for him. I, I can't answer. Here, no, you I'm not a, dodging the question. You've no. seen it loads of time on the telly. Well, did Scott Brown cheat to get Morelos sent off? Did he go down play acting or was he hit with a brutal force that would force him to go down holding his face rolling about the ground? Jim, You've seen it with ten, fifteen different angles. Jim, I can't I can't speak for the I can't speak for the force <laughs> or the way that Scott He's Brown reacted. The best way I can the best way I can answer the question is do I think it was a red card? I think it was I take it you think it wasn't a red card? No, I think Scott Brown went, uh, went down play acting. Well, you answer the question, do you think it was a red card? No. But, no. Okay, well, that's fine. So you think it wasn't. I think it was. We can't We can't answer in terms of the force it was felt. We don't know how strong, how far back Morelos needs to pull his arm to get force. We, we, we don't know that. We can only go by what we see. It never happened in the face either for a play to get in. So everybody can see, Mark. You've seen it probably if you see my amount of TV angles that I've seen yeah, it with. Yeah, it yeah. They were near in the face. Plus, you didn't hit him with anyone near the force that I needed. It doesn't need to be in the face, Jim. It doesn't need to be in the face. Come on, if somebody taps you with the back of their hand, did we do fall down in the I ground? I don't think it, I have to be honest. I don't. It didn't look like a tap. But again, the best way to answer the question is do I think it was a red card? And I think yes. Well, thank you to Jim there. So obviously, you know, it, it does open up again the the wider issue of you know Rangers discipline. Stephen Gerrard that week was pleading with his players not to put themselves in a situation where they could possibly be sent off. He's said various times this season that it's cost them points. It's mm-hmm. it's cost them games. Yeah. Why would a player then put themselves in that position? Yeah, I mean, just to pick up on, on Jim's point. I mean, whether I think it's a red card or not. Irrelevant. You only need to look at the reaction of Stephen Gerrard, the Rangers manager, and his reaction after it when he's had a chance to review it. I mean, he's he's, he's got it at the time, and then he's reviewed it time after time. After now, if Stephen Gerrard thought that wasn't a red card, or he thought that Alfredo Morelos had been hard done to by the officials or by Scott Brown, he would have defended his player in the immediate aftermath of the game. He didn't. He didn't. I think that tells you all you need to know. Well, 01419511025 if you want to get involved. Annette, a Celtic fan in Wishart, has done that. Annette, what do you make of this? Well, what I'd like to say is we're talk- we always talk about intent. Um, and is it that Flanagan actually intended to take Scott Brown out? And the fact that he maybe mistimed his challenge with his forearm. So I don't know where that previous guy is coming across with the whole Morelos thing. I mean, Morelos is what Morelos is. That's like, what, five red red cards they should have had last season. But I just want to know, when we get to this whole intent thing, when we actually get to their appeal, we're having to believe what these players are saying. And Scott Brown isn't the ogre that everybody makes him out to be. Aye, he jumps in there, but he's constantly getting harassed by them. So if they can't take the wind-up, and he has the wind-up merchant, and he's really good at it. So... Where do we go from here? I mean, Mark, that is part of the issue that you you can't go into the mind of a player. You don't know what their intent is. They no. they, they can say, they can make out what, what they want, but we'll never know. No, we won't. And, and, and Andrew, I just, I feel it already. Here we are tonight looking back at an incident, an incident from five, six, seven weeks ago. And already it started. It's the tit for tat. The Celtic Rangers tit for tat that's happening and... You know what? It, it really gets to me. 
sometimes it just gets to me and I know this is just going to be this is what we're just going to have to put up with for possibly the next two years and it's only going to get worse and sometimes it's going and a lot of times it's going to verge on on horrible between callers who just have blinkers on in terms of their own team their own players and therefore sometimes it makes it really difficult to hold um, a, a straight down the middle kind of conversation because callers just don't want to hear anything negative or, or anything that might portray their own players or, or their own team in terms of there being you know a justice and the right decision and then you get other ones coming on defending it and um, it just makes me dread the next two years to be perfectly honest Andrew Annette so can I come back in there on you so go. what I'm saying Mark is what I'm saying Mark is I totally agree with you I think you're speaking sense to, I think you're talking sense tonight um, not that you don't normally, but uh, on this occasion, I really agree with you. And I think that the SSA need to take this in hand because you're talking about perception, what is in somebody's head. And you're right, it is only going to get worse if Celtic go for nine and then on to ten. So there has to be more done by the SSA. They need to take accountability for this. They can't just, you're right. Sorry, I don't. I, I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm not really. I, I, what, sorry, what do you mean? The SFA need to take accountability because the the referees are saying one thing. It's going to an appeal. You're sitting there saying that it was a red card for Flanagan, and I'm only talking about Flanagan in this instance. Uh-huh. Um, there's there's plenty of other things that have been overturned, but they need to get their own house in order. They can't have the referees refereeing the game and then they appeal it and then the appeals are getting overturned and I'm talking about overturned where take any team where it is totally 100% a red card and then they overturn it well the thing was it wasn't it wasn't a well yeah there's there's maybe a lack of consistency but it's Rangers are entitled to go through the appeals process and they have and and they've got the decision that they that they desired and obviously it wasn't a 100% red card all day long because the appeals panel upheld the appeal and said that there wasn't the the was it the level of brutality required yeah. um, for a, a straight red card. So, clearly, again, it comes down to opinion. These kind of things are not matter of fact. It's not like did the ball cross the line or not. And we now have um, you know technology that, that can uh, decide that for, sh- for sure. So, it comes down to opinion. But what I would say, again, I'll just go back to my what I was mentioning two or three minutes ago there. I feel for the referees coming up next season and I've said it before we need to do our authorities as much as we can to help them and protect them and also from all of our clubs not just Celtic and Rangers excuse me all of our clubs across the board in the top flight I hope that for the sake of referees and for the sake of our, our football and try to keep a sense of calm as best as we can next season is that they stop all these statements that are basically you know trying to deflect away from their own club and their own failings uh, to turn the attention on the referees we've seen it happen a few times last season and it wasn't nice and if we don't be very careful we are going to lose some of our top referees next season because let's be honest who in their right mind will want to referee the opening old firm game next season any old firm game next season because one mistake and it might not be a mistake it might be clear as day but the other team or the, the, the club in the, the, um, the other end does they like it it could open up a can of worms for, for a referee's life for his family for different things and I think that clubs need to be particularly in this part of the world in the west of Scotland need to be 
more responsible uh, than they have been and more careful with our words for the good of our game well, thank you to Annette 1025 If you want to get involved We'll have more of your calls After the travel with Amber Clyde One Super Scoreboard With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors Win the compensation you deserve Talk to Thompson's.com Mark Guidi here with me Andrew McLean On the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard Well we were talking about the, the SFA's reasons for uh, John Flanagan not uh, is citation not going through, but that, that's something that affected last season. Why don't we go on to something that's going to affect the upcoming season next That'd season? Be great, Andrew, that's a great idea. <laughs> there we Let's go. Do. And uh, well, in the, in the coming days, we expect Neil Lennon to be confirmed as the, the permanent manager of uh, of Celtic once again. Obviously, he was he was offered the the job. It was announced that he was offered the job just after the the treble treble success on Sunday. What did you make of the the timing of it, Mark? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it strikes me that um, Celtic always wanted to give him the job. I always said he was it was in the driving seat. It was kind of his to to lose, and it, it would strike me without knowing for sure. But if I take an educated guess, that they wanted to make sure that they won the cup to get the treble, a treble, and then they felt it was right to offer it to Neil. Had they not won on Saturday, my feeling would be that he wouldn't have been offered the job. Um, I might be wrong, um, but I don't think he would have been offered the job if uh, if they lost on Saturday. That's just my opinion. But um, please for Neil Lennon, I cannot totally understand why he's a good manager. Um, he knows the drill. He, he's been involved at the club for the past three and a half months, so he knows what's kind of needed more than bringing in somebody um, else. I suppose yeah, some of the Celtic fans maybe not um, overly happy with the, the appointment, but you just need to accept it and go on with it and uh, and give him his backing. Uh, what will be interesting for me is if he does accept it, and I think that is ninety nine percent. But you know, there's there's a bit of work to be done, and not just in terms of his contract and salary and bonuses and different things. He's backroom staff. He'll want uh, at least one, if not two, of his own men to come in. Suggestions that he might be looking at Gary Parker, who it worked could, with him at Hibs. Yeah, he's worked with Gary Parker for well all of his managerial career from Celtic um, to to Bolton to Hibs. He's had Johan Mialbi um, as well. I think he'll be well. I know he's considering one or two um, others as well. Um, out with that but uh, I think that'll be a strong indicator uh, to, in terms of the, the shape of things to come in terms of how he assembles his own backroom team because he inherited a backroom team um, when he took over um, three months ago on, a, on an interim basis which is fair enough but if he accepts the job permanently then every guy wants at least one if not two of his own guys in so I'll be interested to see how that shapes up 01419511025 on the phones that's the number Peter from Postle Park phoned he's a Celtic fan Peter what did you make of how events unfolded on Sunday Saturday sorry <laughs> Jubilant obviously what happened left in the, the treble treble because I don't see I can't see it being done again in my lifetime I could be wrong but I don't see it happening in Scottish football anyway but I was disappointed and I think it's a bit crassy Celtic only day you're making history like that. Only day the anniversary, obviously, the day for uh, first prize to win the European Cup. On on Big Billy and Stevie Chambers like that. He came out roughly an hour after the game to <coughs> say they'd offered Neil the job because I'd have done it the week leading up to the cup final or this week, Mark. I don't think they had to come out on that day. I mean, yeah, there's a, a, a section of some self supporters and want Neil. And initially, obviously, it's not my first choice, but of course we're going to get time We're not going to start the games next season Saturday I'll go well, I don't know what Neil Lennon I'm not interested But I just think it was a bit crass Jubilation <clears throat> Created history And it's come out with that Given the whole It was only man for the job I think it was A bit of hangry Because 
they could have waited and also heard you this speaking. Uh, just on your thing, do you think he's the right man to take off over there in the next two years? I, I, I totally get why he's he's been offered the job, yeah, and um yeah, I, I would have to agree um with the, the decision. I think there's one or two other very good candidates had Celtic wanted to go down that road, you know, for me uh, and I'm and I'm talking about, you know, realistic ones for me, David Moyes or, or Mike O'Neill would have been, you know, excellent appointments as well. But Neil Lennon's the man um, in charge and the, the Celtic supporters need to get uh, behind them and the board need to get behind them um, as well. I wouldn't use the word crash, Peter. What I would say was I was surprised at the timing. I thought when you've won the treble treble, you let, <laughs> if you like from a PR, a media point of view, you, you let that be the story of, of, of the day. And then on, on Sunday... Um, you maybe get Neil and his representatives and, and, and try and get the deal over the line and announce him as manager rather than announcing you've offered them the job so that so for going to pick fault a fault and that's what I would say I thought Saturday yeah, belong I, Saturday belonged to the treble treble achievement not to the who you want to appoint as your next manager I think that could have came the next day that's what I thought of. So say, okay, I wouldn't use, I wouldn't use the word cast. Listen, you could understand it's a wave no, of emotion. Dermot Desmond's there. Maybe Desmond, want, Dermot Desmond wanted to see it go over the line with Peter Lawwell mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and the board. So you could understand maybe they thought you know, it's the best way to, to quell any speculation just by offering it there and then. But I, I thought, personally, I'd have waited to the following day. I, I don't know. My, my opinion, Mark, I felt that slightly deflated after jubilation after a full-time whistle of the thing. But... Also, as I say, I'm going to get behind you. I'm not going to sit there and no back him because he has been also through at the time John Park bringing some some decent players, <clears throat> which the club also moved on with a great value. So I'm just hoping if you can get a good background staff and get guys around walking behind him. Because obviously everybody else, there's a certain part of the city seem to think it's, that's their best signing of the summer, which only time will tell how it will pan out. But hopefully guys that... It's not going to be hysteria mark the way you've made it the, the, the next couple of years. Hopefully, surely they'll get their act together in the rest of Scotland and start thinking about there's middle life in football and so other nonsense off the park. I'd love that to be the case, Peter, but sadly, I don't think it will be. Well, thank you to Peter in Pulse Park for that call. When you look at Neil Lennon, Mark, you know, could be announced in the coming days if it all goes over the line. How important is it now that he gets his own stamp on the Celtic team? Yeah, I think very important. I, I think, you know, he was, you know, day to day on the training ground and different things, probably tiptoeing through the job. You know, in fact, he, he was tiptoeing through the job. And, um, you know, I think, for example, there's maybe once or twice that he probably wanted to to let rip at his players um, and felt that, that, that he couldn't. Um, so all of that, you know, and I know that's a modern day thing. That's not just down to Neil Lennon and, and Celtic and the Celtic dress, but that's a, a modern day thing now. But, for me, you know, there's absolutely no harm in letting rip at your players if they need it. You know, if one or two need it individually or or, or collectively. So, but um, yeah, I think um, if he accepts a job that gets over the line, I don't see any reason why it won't. Then uh, you'll see Neil Lennon being being more of himself in terms of behind closed doors. I think when in front of the media, in front of supporters, I thought he handled himself, you know, well during during the the course of it. He was quite honest in some of his. Uh, assessments and also addressing the situation where he, he knows that some fans don't want him um, there. But behind the scenes, which is the most important thing for for any manager, then uh, you know I certainly think he'll he'll get his teeth into it. And if players aren't going to go with him and don't want to be with him, they'll be out the door. 
Well that is all for tonight Thank you for your calls We're back tomorrow night I'm here with Mark Wilson Calm Gallagher is up next Clyde One Super Scoreboard With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors Win the compensation you deserve Talk to thompsons.com